0: Our episodes contain graphic information that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Would you like some murder with your coffee?
1: Welcome to Morning Murders. I'm Nicole. I'm Amanda, and I'm Brenna. We're just three gals that like to sit around,
2: drink coffee, talk about true crime, get into the the just the nooks and crannies of things that people do to each other. You get into those deets.
1: Just and ask why. Yeah. But why? <laughs> why? Why? Why?
0: Why? Ugh. So speaking of awful things people do to each other, mm. yay. Here's another episode. Um. (laughs) So, I'm oversaturated with true crime, as most of you know. So, there are these two cases that I am constantly mixing up. Well, actually, I merge them together. Mm. So, in my brain, the first story I'm going to tell is how it starts, and the second one is how it ends, in my brain, but in fact, these are two very separate cases, so... Grab your mugs tight, because this episode will be a double shot. Yay! Ladies, have either of you heard of a woman named Sarah Brody?
1: I have. Yeah? I have heard this story. No spoilies. No spoilies. spoilies. I'm excited to hear you tell it, though. Okay. (laughs)
2: I have no idea, but um, I love when you guys tell me things and I get to learn from my two best friends.
0: There you go. <laughs> hey. So, in February of 2005, Sarah Brady was nine months pregnant, eagerly awaiting the birth of her first child. She gets a phone call from a woman named Sarah Brody, who says she received one of Sarah Brady's baby gifts by mistake. There must have been some kind of mix-up with their registries. So Brady goes to Brody's house to collect the gift. Uh, It was a few things she had indeed had on her registry, but when she got it home, she realized it didn't have a card or a receipt showing who it was from. Mm. So she calls up Brody, who says, like, "Oh, like oh, my husband must have misplaced it, sorry. But, you know, I mean, not sure who it was from. Oh, well, no big. Maybe the person who sent it will reach out later. Right. But later that same day, Brady gets another call from Brody, saying UPS just dropped off yet another one of her gifts, and then continued to chat Brady up for over an hour. And, like, Sarah Brady just figured that Brody was, like, a really lonely pregnant woman who just, like, wanted a friend to be going through the same thing with her, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So the next day, Brady decides to head back to Brody's a second time. Again... Brody says the receipt is missing, but this time she asks Brady to come inside and help her look for it. So the pair go inside, and at one point, Sarah Brady notices an inhaler on a nightstand with the name Katie Smith on it, and the alarm bells start to go off in her head. She tries to leave, but Brody, I mean Katie Smith, pretends to go into labor. Sarah, being a good person, like, comes back and tries to help her. She gets Katie settled... And again, tries to make a break for it. But this time, Katie asked if she could get a hug from her new friend before she left. Mm -hmm. Katie went in for the hug and pulled Sarah in tight as she reached for a knife. The women fought for upwards of 20 minutes. Um, The knife got out of her hand and then it got back into Sarah's hand. She was able to stab Katie in what she thought was her shoulder. So bleeding profusely, Katie looks at Sarah and says... You stabbed me, you stupid bitch. <laughs> well, that's uh, yeah. probably what I would <laughs> yeah. say. Yeah. Yeah. That's typical... Uh, <laughs> you know, and then so Sarah drops the knife, runs out. The police arrive later to find Katie bled out, dead on the floor. Whoa. But the craziness doesn't stop there, Okay. Katie's family actually tried to say that Sarah was planning to sell her baby to Katie for $5,000, but then changed her mind and tried to kill her. Excuse Uh, me. Exactly. Uh, Sarah was subjected to a polygraph for six and a half hours. Poor thing. That thing doesn't mean anything anyway. It doesn't mean anything anyway. Mm. Never take one. Lawyer up. But what? that six six and a half hours. A half that's hours. a
2: day that's a job. That's a that's a that's a day of work. Yeah, You're <laughs> paying me have...
0: for this
1: polygraph? Yeah, yeah, what the hell's going what on Did I clock in
0: and out? Yeah, what's the <laughs> shit? <laughs> but like police realized pretty quickly that Sarah was not at fault here. They had searched Katie's home and found a padded belly suit and a diaper bag containing surgical gloves, cutting instruments, oh. medical gauze, and a homemade umbilical clamp. Oh my. Let me just say that again: a homemade <laughs> umbilical clamp. So there was some intentions going on mm. in here. Yeah. Little, 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 Look yeah. at that. The next sentence I wrote was obviously she had every intention, <laughs> yeah, of killing Sarah Brady and cutting out her unborn child. What the hell, man, <sighs> so obviously you know nothing happened. There was no like that's the end of it because Katie died. There were no charges were dropped against Sarah. Obviously, yeah, murderer got murdered. Yeah, yeah. murderers be getting
1: murdered. <laughs> Uh, There's something too about Katie. She they they said that she was like she went through the whole fake pregnancy. Like people thought her work like thought she was pregnant, and like there was like a whole thing because she was leading up to this this whole this whole stealing the baby thing. She wore like the fake belly, and like people thought she was really pregnant, but she wasn't. She just wanted to. Steal a baby. <laughs> I know there's
2: also, like, hysterical pregnancies, which oh, people yeah. go through, where mm-hmm. they they believe that they're pregnant, and then they, like, can, they, like, yeah, that's craziness. Wow. <laughs> so just nice. know, I was just saying I know they exist. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk about that.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about it. Okay. So, uh, before we get into this next one, though, I just want to, like, reinstate the trigger warning. Okay. So... Like I said earlier, um, this next one is how I thought the Sarah and Katie debacle ended. But in fact, this is its own case entirely. And this one is a doozy, my beans. I just remember this story. Oh? I know this one. Yeah? Yeah, because
1: this is like a recent... Like something recently happened about this, right? Yes. 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 Okay. I do know this one, okay. too. Yeah. Okay. Oh, oh, my God. I am
0: going to get so mad. Okay, I know. <laughs> okay, okay. So... 23-year-old Bobby Jostinette was a positive ray of sunshine to anyone who knew her. She and her husband Zeb were dog lovers and would breed rat terriers. Totally get the hype. My dog is part rat terrier. She is the best little psycho there is. Aww.
1: <laughs> uh
0: Jeez. yes. They were a part of an online forum called Ratter Chatter, where they met other people who shared their passion for pups. <laughs> On this forum is where Bobby Joe announced that she was pregnant, and her online friends were absolutely delighted for her. Shortly after, another member known as Darlene Fisher added that she too was pregnant and the two had an instant connection. Bobby and Darlene knew each other in person as well um, from doing dog shows, and they would constantly send emails and share pregnancy stories. But the other dog breeders were suspicious. Bobby Joe was quite obviously pregnant, but Lisa wasn't really starting to show. But Bobby reassured them that, you know, every woman carries differently and they need to mind their business. At one point, Darlene reached out to Bobby Joe about adopting a puppy. Bobby was happy to oblige. Um, but when Darlene arrived at the stint at home on December 16th, 2004, she had nothing but sinister intentions. Oh no. And this part is going to get graphic, so if you want to skip to the trial, we absolutely understand. You do you boo, take care of yourself. So before Bobby had a moment to process what was happening, Darlene, whose real name was Lisa Montgomery, used a rope to strangle her from behind. She then threw Bobby on her back, grabbed a paring knife from the kitchen, and proceeded to cut out her unborn child. Whoa. And now this is really horrific, as if it's not bad enough, Bobby Joe actually regains consciousness for a moment, just long enough to see Lisa slicing her open before she passes away. Damn. Lisa successfully removes the baby, wipes her down, tucks her in her coat, and leaves. Wow. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Becky Harper, Bobby's mother, gets like the weird feeling, you know, she does, hasn't heard from her daughter, She's supposed to go over there later, so she just walks to her house. Her car was in the shop, but she just was like, this feeling was so strong, I just started walking. Mm-hmm. But nothing could prepare Becky for what she was about to find. She would later say it looked like her daughter's stomach had exploded. Her brain couldn't comprehend what had just occurred. Jeez. Once Lisa had the baby in her possession, she called her husband Kevin and told him that she had gone into labor while out shopping and gave birth at the birth and growth center. Later on, police would investigate and find no record of her ever being there. Yeah, nope. Obviously. (laughs) Apparently, Kevin thought nothing was weird about this? (laughs) Uh, during his testimony, he said that on three other occasions, Lisa had told him she was pregnant, and he believed her, because she was showing outward symptoms, such as enlarged abdomen. Her period stopped, and she was experiencing morning sickness and mood swings. So, like, maybe he thought she was just having a miscarriage each time? Maybe. And, like, isn't there something, too, when you're... Sometimes there's that shared delusion, like, when you're with the other person. Yep, we're gonna get into that. Okay. (laughs) So, uh, it would later come to light, though, that he knew that she had undergone a tubal ligation—am I saying that right? I'm not a doctor—in 1990, (laughs) after the birth of her fourth child. So, all four children are from her two previous abusive marriages. The first was a forced marriage to her stepbrother. Oh, God. So, I'm not sure where Kevin's head was either with all of this, but I guess, like, she must have really been playing the long con with everyone in her life, not just the people in the forum— She took the baby home to Melbourne, Kansas, and promptly showed her off to her excited family and friends. (laughs) Oh, God. But while they were thinking their new life was about to begin, the police were busy following the internet trail right to Lisa's front door. Absolutely. Yeah, jackass. IP address. Thank you. So, when they arrived at the Montgomery Farmhouse the next day, officers quickly snatched up baby Stanette and gave her back to her father, Zeb. She's currently a teenager and still lives in Skidmore, um, but she, similar to Mary Vincent, the town does all they can to protect her identity. Yeah. Like, they try to give her a normal life. Her name is posted in things, but we're not going to say it, because leave her alone. Yeah. She's been through enough. She was a ba-
2: she was a brand new human being at the time. What could she possibly have to say or think <sighs> or know
0: about any of that, you know? Right, mm-hmm. right. So Lisa's trial wouldn't be until three years later in 2007. Her defense really tried their best to make the jury see that this was a woman who suffered severe abuse as a child and needed professional help. Mm -hmm. According to Lisa's older half-sister, Diane Mattingly, they both suffered severe abuse and neglect during their childhood. One night when the girls were eight and four, uh, Diane's the older sister, their stepfather came into Diane's bed and sexually assaulted her. While the abuse was going on, she just kept telling herself she had to stay quiet so this wouldn't happen to Lisa, who was in the bed across the room. Mm -hmm. She was able to reach out for help, and the CPS came to take her away, but they left Lisa behind, (laughs) leaving all the abuse to fall on her tiny shoulders. After that, Lisa was not only physically and sexually abused by her parents, but sold to men in exchange for home maintenance and Mm -hmm. bill payments. Her mother would tell her this is because she needed to earn her keep. At one point, her stepfather apparently grabbed her by the hair and smashed her head on the driveway multiple times. A neuropsychologist testified that these injuries could have damaged parts of her brain, Mm -hmm. causing outbursts of aggression. Her defense also tried to assert that Lisa most likely suffered from pseudocyesis, which is the clinical term for a false pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So people suffering from pseudosiasis will sometimes even have physical symptoms that mirror pregnancy. This term is also used to describe when people experience pregnancy-like symptoms along with their partner. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right, so what we were talking about. The prosecution brought forensic psychiatrist Park Dietz to the stand. He'd worked on other high-profile cases such as Jeffrey Dahmer, Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber, as well as Andrea Yates and Susan Smith, who killed their children. Those women, he testified, were not mentally stable. In Lisa's case, he said she knew exactly what she was doing and called the defense's diagnosis, quote, outrageous. The prosecution would push to prove that her moves were methodical and premeditated. They showed that she had printed a sonogram off the internet and was showing it off as hers. Um, Her search history consisted of medical articles on how to perform a C-section. I saw in one source that Lisa had brought a syringe to the scene, but it didn't specify what was in it nor did I see it again, so Mm, I can't mm. verify that's true. A second forensic psychologist, Dr. Daniel Martell, was brought in to conduct an IQ and other psychological tests on Lisa. She ended up testing superior on the IQ test and very low on a test to measure whether she was psychotic. He testified that the test also showed that she was cunning and manipulative, was a pathological liar, lacked remorse, and was irresponsible. Adding that she, quote, failed to accept responsibility and exhibited promiscuous sexual behavior while in the same breath acknowledging her years of sexual abuse. Hmm. What?
2: Yeah, I mean, and I mean, the thing that I keep thinking about is uh, you had 20 minutes to, to get out of there. You had 20 minutes to just stop attacking
0: this pregnant nope. woman. You're already mixing it up with the first case. Oh, see? Yes. See? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. What oh, I did she too. strangled her, though. She did, she did strangle her from behind, okay. throw her down, and cut her baby. How out.
2: long does it take to strangle somebody? That was eight minutes. But eight she didn't, minutes.
0: Ah, but she wasn't dead. Remember, so she didn't do it for eight minutes because Bobby Joe gained con- regained just, consciousness. Yeah, she just passed out.
2: Right, but that takes more than two seconds. You're kind of gunshot. Yes. That's all I'm saying. You, you is are like right. It, takes, it is not an when incident. you strangle somebody. It's like stabbing somebody. Like you're fully. And the lady came back alive, and she still took the baby. Like, yeah. anyway. sorry, Lisa. Yeah. <laughs> done fucked up real hard, made yeah. lots of choices, got you there. <laughs> but
1: it's also but, like, the. but she was horrifically abused. Yeah, lots of people
2: just, get horrifically abused and don't kill people. But yes. they also
1: have uh, something to deal with it. Like, Lisa didn't have that resource. She doesn't, we'll she talk, didn't.
0: Yeah, we'll talk about yeah. that too. Yeah, no, you're right. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm <laughs> like, <laughs> We're going to get there. We're going to get there. Mm -hmm. Okay. So afterwards, Dr. Valanyar S. Ramachandran, director of the Center of Brain and Cognition at the University of San Diego and a professor in psychology and neurosciences departments, uh, was called up by the defense. He testified that he felt Montgomery was absolutely suffering from severe pseudositesis and PTSD and needed professional help. Dr. Martel clapped back, saying, Sure, the PTSD could have come from years of abuse, or maybe it came from brutally stabbing a pregnant woman and cutting out her baby, adding, quote, It isn't unusual for someone who's committed a brutal crime to have trouble sleeping.
2: See, like, there's like a there's like a middle ground there. Like, yeah, you don't like, have to swing one way or the other. Like, it can be both things at the same time. Right. It's kind of what, like like, yes, like, we can't just say, like, Oh, you have trauma- you get a free pass or like you should just no. go, you know. yes,
0: something still needs to be done. You do right. need to be held accountable, but yes. it's like they're saying that the years of abuse have nothing to do with it. And I'm just, all I'm saying is that it does. It I does don't wanna... all lead to something. Okay, so, but in the end, Lisa was convicted of kidnapping resulting in death and four days later the jury would sentence her to death and transport her to Terre Haute Maximum Security Federal Prison in Indiana where she would stay for the next 14 years. At her time of sentencing, Lisa would become only the third woman to ever be on federal death row. She would also be the first female prisoner to be put to death since 1953. Mm. Mm -hmm. This part, uh, this next part is from an article on NPR.org by Cheryl Corley. I didn't want to incorrectly like paraphrase any of this. So I'm just going to directly quote the article and you can find the whole thing in our show notes. U.S. District Judge Patrick Hanlon in Indiana granted a stay of execution, citing the need to determine whether she was too mentally ill to be executed. On Tuesday, an appellate court in Chicago reversed that decision, paving the way for the execution to go forward. But in a separate ruling, an appeals court in Washington, D.C., blocked the execution to give time for hearings on whether the Department of Justice had given sufficient notice of Montgomery's execution date, which was set for Tuesday. The Department of Justice challenged that ruling. A whiplash of legal challenges and decisions continued throughout the day until the Supreme Court's midnight ruling allowed the Federal Bureau of Prisons to proceed with the plan to end Montgomery's life by lethal injection. Montgomery's lawyers had also filed a clemency petition asking President Trump to commute her sentence to life in prison. So I actually found this 52-page petition. Oh, shit. And I just want to read you the first paragraph, because I think it sums up why this case is such a tricky one.
2: Yeah, I don't think she should have been put to death. No. I just don't like, in these circumstances where you can tell a lot had to be calculated, and a lot had to be planned, and premeditated. Right. I don't like that, at the end of the day, and it's just me not liking it, doesn't mean that it's, you know, correct- I hate that at the end of the day. The way that legal people try to get around these people having consequences for their actions is that they, they blame previous shit that happened. And, like, there are people that get sexually abused by step-parents and parents and friends and siblings and stuff all the time. All the time. And most of these people don't become... don't grow up to murder a pregnant woman, like...
0: Cutting her open, yeah. In, but you're right? also given—you're not given a fair chance to be a good person if you have that kind of trauma. Either I feel like and sometimes you can't
1: compare the people's situations because they could be completely different. Of you know, course, not. even if
0: the baseline is the
2: same. But that's why I'm saying it shouldn't be just because you went through something. We should a, a lot, We should go like, oh, then you're good. You know, yes. like it's—it should be. You still did a thing, though. The, well, yeah, the action somehow. Yeah, happened. and that's yeah.
1: like my argument is never that if someone
0: has trauma or something terrible has happened, then they should no. get away with the it. Argument... The argument, argument, it's the death penalty. Yeah, that's, that's the, all. I'm yeah, that's no, all I agree. The argument is for life in prison versus yeah. the death penalty. That's all we're saying is that she absolutely deserves life in prison. Yeah, but maybe not the death penalty. I, yeah, I don't think the death penalty. sixty-seven, 67
1: years they hadn't executed anybody, and then they're like, "Oh, you know what? January what thirty-first, twenty twenty-one mm-hmm. this year. They're like, oh, 'Ah, let's just kill her.'
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Sixty-seven years they didn't kill anybody. What a weird...
0: Yeah, thing. I put... Uh, wait, I put a note for myself. Trump has killed the most prisoners in a single year since the 1890s.
1: Yeah, and he let he let other people, other horrible cases fly, depending on what the situation was and who they were. Mm-hmm. He, he was like, oh, no, 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 that one's fine, but you, you die. You, you, let's execute them. There was even another case that was recent that a guy was executed and then in, uh, information came out and he was innocent. He didn't actually do the thing. Mm-hmm. But it yeah. came out after he was killed because they rushed to execute him. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because, like, I mean, we, I feel like
2: the three of us have a very similar viewpoint on yeah. the death penalty anyway, so it's kind of like uh, preaching to the choir. But I yeah. but I just, I I don't, I it, that type of justification, not necessarily, I guess I'm not arguing about the death penalty. I'm arguing about prosecution and defense. The defense argument of that frustrates me to no end. Because I'm like, you, that's where the reasoning comes from when people go, oh he's using these words crazy so of course he should be put away. It's that kind of thing where it's mm-hmm. like we just use the the blanket words on stuff or like don't hold people accountable or you, you meet those people in your daily walking life that go like uh, sorry I did that, my parents didn't hug me when I was little. It's like, yeah, most fucking people in the 70s didn't have parents that hugged
1: them. Like, bro, <laughs> yeah. like, but it doesn't mean that you get to treat people like shit. Like, right. Yeah. But part of that too is that that's, that's the only thing the defense can really use to try to prevent the death penalty. Well, she's got a mental illness, she's got this thing going on, she's crazy, whatever it is. They, because of what the death penalty is and, and how difficult it is to get out of it, mm-hmm. like, the defense is trying to be like, no, she maybe planned this thing, but she wasn't and she has a lot of things going on you can't put her to death she's not mentally well like you can't do that mm-hmm. which is so
2: interesting because when you get the, when you get sentenced to death it, it costs more money than just life in
1: prison well yeah, you're in different keeping, circumstances keeping someone on death row is a lot more expensive the, those prisons make a lot more money off those prisoners right
0: so I wonder what that push is it's about. Okay. It's it's so <laughs> Yeah, it <goes laughs> mad. Okay, I'm very angry. So here's the here is um, just the first paragraph of that petition. Dear President Trump, broken before she was born, Lisa Montgomery's life was filled with torture, terror, failure, and betrayal. Caretakers, family members, neighbors, school teachers, social workers, counselors, lawyers, and judges. All could have intervened to save Lisa from the crippling trauma and profound mental illness that overtook her already damaged brain, accumulating in the awful tragedy that took the life of Bobby Jostinette. Had just one person intervened, all of this could have been avoided. But they did not. And so now you are faced with the awesome responsibility of deciding whether Lisa Montgomery lives or dies. You alone have the power to temper justice with mercy. You alone have the power to protect her children and grandchildren from more heartache and pain. You alone have the power to join the growing chorus and end the stigmatization of mental illness. You alone have the power to send a message to the thousands of women who have been the victim of childhood rape and trafficking that their pain matters, that they matter, that their lives have value. You alone write the ending to the story. Does it end with more pain or does it end with hope? Mercy and understanding. We pray it is the latter. But despite her defenses team's best efforts, Lisa Montgomery was put to death by lethal injection on January 6th, 2021. Damn. At 131 AM. Yeah. Final zips. <laughs>
2: this incredible post that was on Reddit um, about a man talking about his wife having a hysterical pregnancy and I'm gonna link it to our sources it's Mm -hmm. incredible so he talks about just kind of the experience of his wife they had lost a couple children I believe is the story and um so they lost a couple children she joined a group on Facebook that is all women convinced they are pregnant Hmm.
0: Oh, it makes me so, so sad. sad. To
2: the point of violence against other pregnant women. Oh, no. God. So it's women that get high on each other's supply. We've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, there's Facebook groups for everything now, including women that are convinced they're pregnant to the point that they're saying, like, their partners are wrong. Doctors are wrong. All of the scans are wrong. I know I'm pregnant. I know better. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, So it's just a guy, it's a very interesting read, but it's a guy um, just talking about his wife having a hysterical pregnancy and not being sure what to do, Um, and being scared, because he's like, I don't know what she's capable of doing now, because she's so obsessed now. Mm -hmm. It's become an obsession. Um, But one of the, there's like a bunch of edits that he does on like updates and stuff. There's one of the edits, the first thing he says is like, I'm not going to leave my fucking wife, you assholes. Like when you are with somebody for a long time and they're your partner and you're together forever or whatever, or even if you get married and decide to make that promise to each other, um he's like I'm with her like I'm with her I'm not gonna be like oh first sign of weirdness I'm out of here he's like no I'm sticking around like this is kind of the agreement that you make when you're in a long-term relationship and he's like and I'm not gonna stick around like we're gonna try to go to psychologists and all this stuff but all the comments underneath like most of the ones that were like upvoted and given a lot more like positive attention were people saying like there is something to be said about hopefully putting her in a situation where she can talk to somebody for 72 hours type thing, right? Like, Mm -hmm. she may need a 72-hour hold just to, like, talk to somebody and have somebody help her and all that kind of stuff. So um, I'm disappointed in this lady's partners uh, because... I mean, I don't know how she manipulated them. It sounds like through all the psych psych evaluations, they had said that she was manipulative and cunning. So, like, I'm just interested in what these partners had to go through. Um, But I will say this. uh, Red flags are important, even with people that you know very deeply. Um, People can be suffering right next to you without you having any idea, no matter Mm -hmm. how close you are. So... um, your partner could be going through something right now that you just haven't checked in on because sometimes it's hard to talk about your feelings. Sometimes I know some people don't want to come on too strong because they don't want to scare anybody off. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's important. Check in. Check in with your partner. Check in with your closest friend. Like, if something's going on and something doesn't feel right, don't just leave it at, you know, where she was pregnant 300 times and had a miscarriage. Like, that can be... A miscarriage can be a very traumatizing thing for um somebody whether they're lying about it or not like it's you're still putting yourself in that headspace especially if you're a pathological liar you believe your lies as much as anybody else so mm-hmm. um so i hope uh that you just take take a moment i know we have we have a pretty even split some some guys some gals some non-binary pals that listen to our show so um just check in with your partner no matter what's going on whether you menstruate or able to birth children you can be any gender for that but like
1: you know Check in. I'm, I'm really glad that that guy in the Reddit feed like was like, no, I'm not going to leave my wife. I'm going to help her. Because that's like, that's it. Don't brush it under the rug like you're saying. Like, help. She's having oh. a psychotic break. Yeah. I can't leave now. No. That's, not what, that's not what's going to help. My why is broken. Throw it away. Yeah. No, don't do that. Um, My final sip is this, because I know about this case because of the Innocence Project. So there's an article that I will link in the show notes, and it's Death Row Exonerees Make a Plea to Halt Executions. Um, So it's just like a bunch of quotes from people who have gotten exonerated. Mm. Um, I'll just share one of them from Robert Dubois, who was exonerated in 2020 after a total of 37 years in prison and three years on death row. I was very saddened by the killing of Lisa Montgomery when I saw it on the news this morning. It hits close to home. A lot of people I knew on death row were executed while I was there. When they took my next-door neighbor to death watch, that was the last time I saw him. It's not a good feeling at all. I know there are, are more innocent people like me still behind bars and facing execution. I spent three years on death row and 34 years in prison for a crime I didn't commit. I deeply believe that until we fix the severe flaws of the criminal justice system, the government has no right to kill people. There's a bunch of them on here. Another one um, by Paul Hildwin, freed in 2020 after 29 years on death row and six years in prison. You never know how many innocent people have already been murdered. It took 35 years for me to get my freedom back. I saw that on the news this morning that Lisa Montgomery, and it just broke my heart. Executions do not do anything but cause more victims. It's too late for Lisa, but I beg the U.S. government to see the humanity of Corey Johnson and Dustin Higgs and stop this senseless rush to execute them. Because there's just more people that are being set to get executed as the year goes on, and it's awful. Um and yeah, it's just a really great article. It's just like a bunch of quotes from people who thankfully did get exonerated and yeah. didn't have to go through that. But I agree. I mean, until the flaws of the criminal justice system are fixed, uh, they have, no one has any right to kill anybody. doesn't I don't care what they've done. You don't have a right to kill them. In life imprisonment and maybe reform, which is what it's supposed to be for. And maybe we talk about what's going on or figure out what the mental illness is and see if we can learn more about it, you know, instead of just killing people.
2: Yeah. Yeah, It's like it's not like we're saying like, I mean, she cut open a pregnant lady and took the baby. Uh, set her free. It's that we're no, saying. No, like, do not set no, her free. No. Just like killing her doesn't solve the problem. That's Kinda what like, it is. Killing her doesn't, solve the, doesn't solve the problem. No, because there's You how can't many rehabilitate cases? someone. You can't <laughs> right. You know? And how many cases are there like this? Like we had it. We had it mm. conflated with another one that you said at the very beginning. Right. That's not even. There's a whole other case that I know about about a neighbor that lives upstairs. Like, yeah. the there the of a pregnant lady who had a neighbor upstairs that was also quote-unquote pregnant, and she just went upstairs, and her neighbor cut her open and took the baby. Like, Jesus. that shit happens all the
0: time. Yeah, Adopt, you jackass.
2: Adopt. Fucking adopt. Right. There are I plenty know it, of
0: wonderful children who need, home. well, if you're a psycho, though, that's going to cut out a baby, maybe don't adopt. Maybe, yeah, maybe don't you're adopt. not so adopt. Be right, a but parent. I'm just
2: saying, like, you know, I know it costs a lot of money, which there's a whole other problem with that system as well, but, mm. like, but like, you know what also costs a lot of money? You're fucking defense attorneys when you kill somebody and have to go to prison for it. Like, you know, like, I'm just saying, like, don't... <laughs> there's... Put your money elsewhere. Yeah, babysit. The, the case that I knew about with the neighbor upstairs, she wanted to have a... She already had a few children as well. She was trying to have another one because she thought that that's the only way that she could lock down her boyfriend. Mm. So it's like, bro, don't, like, have a baby because you want the baby. <laughs> Don't have a baby for any Band-Aid reasons. It's not going to fix your relationship. Yeah. Well, and
1: I feel like that is unfortunately something that society teaches too. And we Mm. need to check Mm -hmm. our own because there's a lot of kids growing up that believe that that is the way to make a relationship work. That's what you're supposed to do. That's Mm -hmm. what we do here. You're broken if you can't do that. And there's so many women who, you know, can't have children and feel like they're broken and you're not. You're not. not. You're not. That's not something you have to do and there's Mm -hmm. other ways around it. And if you're going through something where you're feeling depressed, you're having those intrusive thoughts that maybe won't go away, like I encourage you to seek help, talk to someone, talk to someone outside, a, a safe third party, a psychiatrist, whatever it is, like just kind of help sort your sort out those those awful thoughts because you're not alone. There are other people that are going through the same thing, and there is hope. So yeah, reach out.
2: Yeah, people, especially professionals, have your back.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: All of this also deals with a lot of like hormones and bodily things as well so yeah. sometimes it's good to get a professional because there might be other stuff going on that you're just not aware
1: of yeah mm. and there is also a thing too where there are some forms of cancer that come across as pregnancy mm. and like that's a whole other health issue so you know
0: just get yourself checked out yeah or <laughs> brain tumors or brain tumors sometimes give symptoms of pregnancy oh Jeez. been there <laughs> oh gosh um, but that's for another time. Here's my final sip. Okay. All right. So uh, I kind of feel like, and this is only my personal opinion, um, that the premeditation in this particular case should not rule out the mental illness. Because they were trying to say that, like, well, it was premeditated, so she can't be crazy. It was premeditated. It was premeditated. Like, no, she was already, like, I feel like the premeditation was a bigger red flag that she's mm. been suffering for years. Mm. Yeah. Like, the break already happened a while ago, and this was just a very slow burn. Mm. But again, just my personal thoughts, I am in no way a licensed professional, um, but this is one of the first times that I found myself feeling remorse for both sides mm. of a heinous crime. Mm. Like, if Lisa had been given help, like her lawyer said, if one person had stepped in for this poor girl, Bobby Joe might be with us today. Mm. Yeah. And that's the really tragic tale of Sarah Brody, Sarah Brady, Lisa Montgomery, and Bobby Joe's today. <sighs> Babies, baby. Babies. Babies,
1: baby. Babies, baby. Babies.
0: Now that we're super bummed out, let's go get some coffee. Yeah, I need some <laughs> caffeine for sure.
1: Thank you so much for joining us again on Morning, Morning. Morning Murders. No Have a murder you like to talk about over coffee? We would love to hear about it. Email us at morningmurdersgmail.com. At Thank you for listening to Morning
2: Murders. In today's show notes, you can find our cited research as well as a few of our favorite mental health resources.
0: Let's write the musical I'll right after all, this episode.
2: Yeah, it'll be like <laughs> Mama Mia, except no children. Did they make Bridesmaids into a musical yet? Because that'd be fucking hilarious. Uh, oh no, but it definitely is up the alley of like Mean Girls and Beetlejuice and all that kind uh-huh. of stuff. So like, yeah, would Heather's? There's got to be something in there. Okay, just putting that, putting that right here for later. Put that
1: in back the pocket. back pocket. Back pocket. I just, <laughs> all right, I just want to know
2: the number when mm-hmm. they shit in the street.
0: <laughs> Shitting shit. in the street. Come on, baby. Shittin' in the street. in the street.
1: Yes.
2: Every bride, grab a maid. Then you're gonna shit your straightin' in the street.
0: <laughs> Let's do it. Amanda. Amanda. It Amanda. Okay. Amanda. Amanda, oh. Brana, Nicola, oh. Amanda, Brenda, Nicolás. Oh. A man duck. A man duck. A man duck. <laughs> okay. Great. Nailed it. The Adventures of Manduck. Yes. The well, also, a, Man-Duck. Uh, he
2: does tongue twisters. Every Weed D&D. Oh, you're right, He yeah. As a warm-up, he'll write tongue twisters for us, so we need to find... We need to get Kay. that boy, Jake, who's a fan of the pod.
0: monstrous murderers were making music in the moonlight.
1: Oh ah, that's one. <laughs> that's one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you guys ready? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.